Hello, everybody. It's April 10th. This is the TK Show. We'll have a double edition with two power pack guests, starting with the guest I have on right now. You know him. You love him. Uh, the former San Jose Sharks TV analyst, currently the Edmonton Oilers TV analyst, Drew Remenda. Drew, how are you today? I'm good, Tim. It's good to talk to you again. No, great. To, yeah, like what happened? All of a sudden, I don't see you anymore. What happened there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm still kind of not sure, Tim. To tell you the <laughs> yeah, truth, it's unexpl- but... <laughs> unexplainable. I'm sorry. Sorry to lead off with that one. <laughs> Uh, but no, just great to hear your voice. Great, to, great to uh, great to talk to you again. Uh, first of all, I just want to ask uh, how closely did you follow the Sharks this season, and can you explain what happened there? Yeah, well, I missed. I probably missed only about five games mm-hmm. uh, watching them on TV or you know watching them in person because uh, it was the same night. Maybe the owners were playing, yep. but uh, got got Randy and Jamie uh, all the time on uh, on center ice and. Uh, Pay close attention because, as as you know, I've, I've known Todd McCollum since we were sure. teenagers, and I uh, talked to Todd's a friend, and um, and so you know, you spend 22 years with an organization, you uh, uh, 20 years in an organization, I should say, you you become pretty attached to a lot of people there, not only the people uh, you know in the office, but but on the team, and especially with that coaching staff for the last six years, let me let me in, have some amazing access, so I have nothing but love and respect for for those people, so. I watched and was cheering for them and wanted them to win. And um, you know, where do you start with with San Jose Sharks? And I think you always have to start. Um, you always have to start. Like, let's go back to just the team on the ice, yep. just their performance on the ice. And their goaltending was twenty fourth in the National Hockey League this yeah. year. And now, that's not all goaltending, but it certainly is an indication of where you need to improve to start things off. Because when you look and say where your goaltending is 24th, you're not talking about the chances you're giving up or the quality of chances. So that leads you to your defense. Goaltending needs to be better, should have been better, could have been better, but then you go to your defense. And your defense with Mark Edwards Lassick out a number of games with a defense core that wasn't as good as before with Brad Stewart and um, Dan Boyle gone. Um, you looked at that defense core, even though there were, there were some bright spots, uh, you still looked at it and went, boy, they're just not good enough on that back end. They're just not as good as the, the top teams that made the playoffs on that back end. So that was the other issue. And then you go up front, and again, Tim, how many times have you and I been in the press box at the SAP Center and talked about the lack of depth with the San Jose Sharks, yep. that, that depth that depth scoring, their third and fourth line scoring. They just didn't have enough. You look at the top eight teams in the playoffs in the Western Conference, and they averaged their, 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 their uh, bottom two lines, third and fourth lines. They averaged 50 goals amongst them. Uh, and then you look at their points, it's about, it's around average about 122. The Sharks were below that in both of those categories. So, and also Patty Marlowe. Patty Marlowe had one of his co- worst career years, numbers-wise, uh, in his in his history. In the last 13 years, he's always been um, in the 20 goal to 30 goal mark. This year, he scored last night against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I think that gave him 18 or 19. That was one of the, that's one of his worst career years in, in the last 13 years. So if you got you you don't have a lot of scoring, and then one of your top scorers, the guy you rely on rely on, doesn't score, you've got some problems. And their goal differential was. As of last night, I think it's even yep. or minus two or minus one. Yep. They just, bottom line, they just weren't good enough. And you know, the other thing, too, when you talk about it, and, and Todd McCollum was asked this yesterday, and I, this is why I love Todd, because Todd looks in the mirror first. 
before anybody. And that's a unique trait, as, as you know, in professional yep. sports, especially yep. with coaches. And he said that, you know, obviously we didn't do a good enough job as coaches. We did not push the right buttons or push them enough to get this team where they needed to be. So when you look at that aspect of it, and Todd said this last year after the, the Kings knocked him out. He mentioned this. He said maybe the message is getting stale hmm. coming from me all the time. Hmm. So, and there's there's an issue there. And so then, of course, <laughs> you want to start talking about the off-ice stuff, so we can do that as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, might, I might want to touch on some of those things. Well, I'll just say, you know, we talk a lot about culture, the culture of the Sharks. Uh, I brought it up. Doug's brought it up. John Thornton, Joe's yep. brothers brought it up. I mean, do you think there's something systemic wrong or that needed to be changed or has to be changed about the Sharks culture? Is it a little bit country club in there or has it been? Um, it's, it's a tough question to answer because I, I, I walked into a, a, a situation this year in Edmonton where I saw nothing but a group of individuals that were so tight and so nervous and such a gloom and doom hung over them that I was shocked hmm. because I came from an organization and came from a team that was, as you've been in that dressing room, it's so open, yep. so loud, so yep. fun, so great. And, and, you know, and the personalities, you know, rule that dressing room, um, make it a neat place to come into when you're especially a media guy, but anybody, yep. you know, and, so when people talk about the culture, it, it, it got to, it certainly got to, it starts from the top. It does start from Doug Wilson, yep. without a doubt. That's that's what happens. And then it goes to your coaching staff. Actually, it starts from your owner, then it goes to your general manager, then it goes to your coaching staff, then it goes to your players. Yep. So Doug has always talked about making the San Jose Sharks a, 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 the place to come to. we got to do this the best, we got to do that the best, we got to do this the best. Um, and Doug has always been really careful about protecting the players and making sure that the players were were uh, insulated from any peripheral outdoor noise or opponents or, or distractions. After the playoffs last year, that was the first time I saw in Doug's career where he let his emotions take over and said some things he probably shouldn't have said and should have certainly walked back. Yep. He didn't do that. And then that set that, that kind of set that divide in there. And then, of course, we saw it culminate with Joe Thornton and, and Doug Wilson, you know, with my general manager should just shut up and stop lying. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was a little Hossel, bit, yeah. When Hossel getting... Yeah. yeah. So when, what, what, when, when, Hossel got, when Hossel got involved, that was not what they... That's not what Hassel wanted to do. Yeah. But people talk about Joe Thornton. Let's, when you talk about culture, many people will point to Joe Thornton. So let's talk about Joe Thornton. I said this on the air last night. The seat gets taken off of Joe, and that's certainly a direct indictment about Joe and his ability to lead. Doug already said, and didn't walk back after the after this whole shut-up thing, he said, I've said this before, and it's, it's Joe knows where to find me if he wants to talk about it more. I mean, he, he made it public what he thought about Joe's leadership. Now, they're, apparently, it's, it's, it's fixed, but Doug stood by his statement. But let's talk about Joe. If Joe's the problem, here's what you have when you walk away from Joe, if you try to move Joe. First off, he is considered still the leader in that room. Yep. The players that play with him love him. Pavelski, yep. Couture, Marlowe, Burns, those guys look at Joe as a friend first, teammate next, and you know they also know his ability as a hockey player. And if you take Joe out of the lineup, okay, we're going to cure all our ills by moving Joe Thornton. 
you think Joe Pavelski scores 37 goals? Mm, no. You can go down the list of how many players Joe Thornton has made better, and it's just you just keep checking them off. You can go from Glenn Murray in Boston, Nils Ekman, Jonathan Chichu scored 56 goals. I was going to say Chichu, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. Brent Burns yep. and now Joe Pavelski. It's no coincidence that Joe Pavelski, who has worked on his game incredibly hard, has become the player he is now, scoring 125 goals since 2011-12, playing with Joe Thornton. So, where does this go? I mean, you know this organization, you know Doug well, you know Joe very well, obviously you know Todd very well. Does it have to break up at some point? Does, does Is firing the coach at all a fix to this? I can't imagine it's much of a fix. I don't think it's much of a fix, but Doug said this, and I'm not saying that Todd should be fired, but, but Doug Wilson, I thought, said this when he, when he um, it was very salient, comment when he did not renew Ron Wilson's uh, contract. He said that sometimes the class needs a different professor. And sometimes the professor needs a different class. Sometimes, and and, and that's that's maybe where the situation that Doug might be looking at now. But here's here's the situation. And this is, Hustle Platner has to look at this and go, okay, are we really in a rebuild? Because Doug came out the other day and said, we're exactly where we thought we'd be. We didn't plan to miss the playoffs, but we have, and now we're going to move forward. But, but the plan's still in place because he cited guys like Tierney and Melker Carlson and moving forward with Alex Daylock and, and, and some youth that they're trying to develop. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah. yeah, he thinks that they're, yeah, Hurdle and those guys like that, Nieto. He thinks that they're on the right path, but nobody plans to miss the playoffs. And if you do, you're in the wrong business. So, now you have to go to Hassel Platner and go, are you willing to invest in this? Are you really willing to invest in at least a three-year um, rebuild? At least a three-year rebuild, if you do it exactly right. Knowing that, in the Bay Area, you have got the Giants, you've got the A's, you've got the Raiders, you've got the Niners, you've got the Warriors playing really well, you've got Cal, you've got Stanford, and now you're bringing in the Barracudas, mm-hmm. the AHL team, as your competition for your sports entertainment dollar. Are you willing to continue to write those lost checks year after year and know that the building is not going to be full and we're not going to be the San Jose Sharks to make the playoffs every year and hopefully contend for a Stanley Cup? Are you willing to do that? And if Hostel says yes, then you go for it. Then you, then you completely rebuild and you do what you're doing right now. And if he says <laughs> no, I do not believe that. Drew, I, I don't know him at all. I've never met him, but I do not believe he's willing to do that. What, what do you think? It's, I, either do I. And yeah. I think it's a hard pill to swallow if you're an owner that doesn't see the hockey team every day, is in another country. In fact, he's another continent. I'm not sure Hassel Platner will be willing to do that. But if he is, then you have to go, you have to, as your Hassel Platner, you have to look and say, well, are you my guy for the job, Doug? Tell me how you're my yeah. guy for the job. And if Doug's the guy for the job, then he's got to go to Todd, if he wants Todd, and says, are you willing to be here for the next four years rebuilding this team? And if you are, here's my contract for you. I'm going to invest in this. And then you've got to start to make some player arrangements. And that's going to be the toughest because everybody else that we talked about can move, maybe with the exception of the owner, but those players don't move. Yep. Joe Thornton's not going anywhere, and neither is Patrick Morrow. Yep. They have no-move contracts. You can't even put them on waivers. Nope. they got no-move contracts. So if you're willing to invest in the – and get everybody to buy into a complete rebuild, which I don't think Hasso Platner is. And again, I've met the man once. Um, I think you'd have a hard time selling that to the owner, and I think you have a really hard time selling that to your fan base. Absolutely. That's one thing about the fan base. I really... One thing I've thought about this team for several years is that they lacked 
kind of people, a face of the, I don't know, the voice of the franchise. I thought there were two, when you talk about like, you know, credible people who can go out and talk to people, they might have had two the last three or four years who wanted to do it. Tom McClellan, who doesn't, isn't everywhere on the media, but the people who know him know how straight up he is. And the other one was you, Drew. And and I'm I'm not saying that to pump you up or bring you down, but the fact was you're on the radio explaining these things. People get what you're saying. You're on the television. People get what you're saying. There's a communication. There's a connection. I didn't understand why they would want to lose that, but it, to me it was, you know, dispatching from you was a sign that there's some disconnect going on with the entire organization. I I don't want to have to make you rip the organization, but did you see that as a disconnecting no. thing uh, at all for your for, from your part? I, I think what what I saw um, and, and what I watched with with the sharks, there's a lot of good people who earnestly wanted to to do and say the right things. Just from my point of view, I never wanted to insult the, the viewers. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to insult their intelligence. When, when I saw something on the ice happen, uh, or when I had to opine about what's going on with the team, uh, I did it from a point of honesty. Um, from, what I, from my point of view, what I thought, to be honest. Yeah. But my problem was, and, I, and I, it kind of came as an epiphany this year, what my problem was is that I got too mixed up in the inner workings of the team, mm-hmm. more than a good broadcaster should, more than a professional broadcaster should. I got, I, I, I have that emotional connection to the Sharks, as you can tell. I mean, I, I yeah. truly love the, the people there on that team, and, and I still look at them as my team. And to the point where the people in, in Edmonton are <laughs> yesterday, they were, you know, got the cards, all that stuff. <laughs> so I got, I got too involved in the, in the inner workings and, and why aren't we doing this and why aren't we doing that? And it's hard not to when you've been a part of that organization as a coach and as a broadcaster. This year in, in, in Edmonton, I work for Sportsnet, the, the TV network, and we, we, we are the regional broadcaster for the Edmonton Oilers. And I didn't have to get involved in the inner workings of the team. Sure, you wanted them to win because it was a good broadcast when they won, but you could still just call the game between the lines. So I think what I'm guessing now, of course, because that's never been fully explained to me, that, that that knowledge that I had, the inner knowledge I had, but also my emotional connection and sometimes my my frustration with the team came out uh, in the broadcast or when I was doing interviews or anything like that. And that's probably one of the things they looked at to teach, you know what, we, we need somebody else who can who can sell the team more than Drew without being sometimes as, as uh, negative or, or critical as I was. So I, I'm guessing that's one of the issues that, that struck a chord with whoever decided that I was no longer a broadcaster. And some people would call that credibility, by the way. I, and, and I'm, I'm well, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the one thing. You know, there's one thing, that was one argument I used to have. And, and Tim, you know, I was, mm-hmm. I was called in the carpet several times yeah. for things I would say, sometimes by owners, sometimes by the general manager, sometimes by the president or my, or my bosses. And I used to say the same thing. I said, I used to say, well, how can I be, um, how can I be credible if I don't critique them honestly? How, why will people believe me when I'm talking about how good they're playing when they're really playing good if I talk about how good they're playing when they're playing bad? And that was an argument we had many, many times. And it was actually Kevin Compton, the former owner, and I used to butt heads about that all the time. And Kevin was wonderful, but he wouldn't pull owner on you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and threaten to fire you. Maybe a couple times, <laughs> but but he would we would debate this back and forth, and he'd send me, he'd actually send me a transcript of what I said, and I'd send him a transcript back of what I said, <laughs> and so so that credibility used to be an argument all the time. And, but you know what, the sharks aren't unique in that regard, Tim. Everybody's doing it now. Yeah. Every team now tries to control that message because it, you know uh, the NHL is a walk up 
a walk-up entity. But when you look also at that team, going back to you know the original, is there a disconnect there? Um, that's that's hard for me to say because I really don't know. Like I know the communication between Doug and Todd, and Doug and the coaching staff. Doug has tons of respect for coaches. Um, being a former player, and he understands their job and how tough it is. He there is a connect. There is a there's a line of communication there, um, and there's also a great line of communication from Todd to to the to the players because as you know I've talked about Todd already, but. Again, it might be that the philosophies are different. Well, it's that philosophy we talked about. Where are we going and what's the plan? That's where if there is a disconnect um, or if there's some a lack of a transparency or, or wonder where, where what are we doing, it's because that plan hasn't maybe been laid out for everybody. Yeah. And they're still in the midst of, in the middle of, okay, if we are rebuilding, like Doug said, if we're a tomorrow team, like Doug said, then let's get to it. And let's get to it sooner rather than later. And that's maybe where there is some sort of a lack of, of uh, complete, uh, clear communication. Well, you're in Edmonton now, and, and you go around the league, and you talk to people. I'm sure people still know that you're very familiar with the Sharks. Yeah. Around the league, are they quizzical about what's going on with the Sharks? What, around the league, yes. what's the feeling about the Sharks? Yes, it, it's it's... It's amazing. Um, people come, well, now they come talk to you because you don't work for the Sharks, so they'll, they'll automatically come and say, you know, what is going on with your old team? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'm giving them pretty much the same answers I, I give you. And there is there is some people going, boy, that went south quick. Yeah. And most of it centers on Joe and Doug Wilson because that's been the, the, for, the focal point for a lot of people. A lot of people talk, you know, especially after the whole, you know, shut up thing. Yeah. And so a lot of people come talk to you about that. But then when you start talking to, to, to hockey people, you know, other general managers or, or um, uh, coaches or that, and, and you know, some of the broadcasters I really respect, the hockey people will break it down just like we talked about first, about goaltending and then mm. their defense and what they've got to do and things like that. So everybody, the great thing is in, in hockey, everybody's got an opinion on, yeah. oh, <laughs> on yes. everything. But oh, yes. There, there is that... There is that quizzical nature about it. But the other aspect is, there's kind of a, uh, it's kind of bittersweet because everybody pointed to the Sharks for so many years as that's the way to do things in an organization. For so many years, they were the model franchise of an expansion team starting in the 90s and then building up and always being in contention and always doing what you could and pushing to be as good as they could be and hopefully a championship. So a lot of people are like, yeah, they're, they're upset by it or sad by it because, yeah, they want their team to be good, but they also look at the Sharks as kind of a model franchise because, listen, Doug's a real likable guy. Todd's a really likable guy. Joe Thornton's an incredibly likable guy. So you kind of those are the kind of people you cheer for. Um but then, in the same in the same regard, you're going. Well, why did you guys who are these, such these good, smart hockey people? Why are you creating some of these your own controversy? That was the other thing that people would bet. You know, especially in Canada, when you see the Maple Leafs be the Maple Leafs, <laughs> is that you look and said, you know, you guys are kind of creating your own drama that you don't need to create here. Yeah. You know, I, I've never talked to you about this, but it's been raised by various, you know, industry sources around here that I've talked to. Is is there some question in your mind whether the Sharks are going to stay in San Jose in the long term, that this is economically feasible? We hear about they need a new arena, the TV deal isn't really good. In fact, the TV deal is terrible. Uh, would, there be some, terrible. Yeah, would there be some question in your mind whether they can stay here? Yeah, I think it would be. Yeah. Um, 
Now, that's been brought up, you know, in, in several conversations. You've heard it kind of um, talked about and, and leaked publicly. In fact, also, I think, when he had the, the big press conference after he took over, he made a specific mention of the TV. The TV deal is terrible. Yep. It is a bad deal. Yep. And now that the, I think the Niners are on uh, Comcast now and, and Comcast grabbing more entities, there's, there's not going to be much money left in the pie. And the problem with the TV deal is not only is it ironclad, but it's for a long term. It's still 2027. Yep. Yep. Uh, 2027, 28. It's a bad deal. It's one of the worst deals in the National Hockey League, and that hurts the team. When you compare, say, the Dallas Stars, who make about $20 million a year, $21 million a year on their TV deal, like the, what were the latest reports? Was like $6 million? No, I thought it was like seven. I thought, yeah, seven for the Sharks, I think, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So that's just, that's, hey, it's a great deal for Comcast and, and NBC, but it's a bad deal for the San Jose Sharks. They're not getting their money's worth. Uh, certainly not in the last couple of years, uh, that, that that money goes to sustaining a franchise. Now, I don't know the inner workings of, of the books and things like that, but I do know that that the that, that Hustle Platner um, continues to write checks to cover losses. I, I know that for a fact. And, and I said, well, he's, he's, always, he's already mentioned it, and they want to get to a point where he stops doing that. Um, and the, the TV deal hurts them, um, you know, that's why when we talked about investing in that rebuild, is Hassel willing to keep doing that to invest in the rebuild? Now, Hassel's got tons of money, yeah. but does he want to keep giving that money uh, to cover the losses in order to sustain that franchise? Or can he look elsewhere and think, why can't I move this franchise here or there or this and that and sell it or whatever it happens to be? That There could be... I don't think it's anytime soon, and I don't think it's anything that's, you know, anything talked about actively, but there certainly could be a question in the future whether you can sustain that franchise. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of it centered on if the arena, you know, if are you going to go get a new arena in San Jose? Can yeah. you go through that effort if the team isn't that good and if the, if there are losses mounting? I mean, maybe that's all kind of building, yeah. I would guess. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of old arenas around it. Well, there was a lot of old yeah, arenas mm-hmm. around, and that arena, that arena still is one of my favorite because the sight lines are great, sure. and it's loud, and it's wonderful. Uh, but when you look around the other leagues and you see the other teams, you see these other buildings come up now, and uh, Edmonton's building one. In fact, it's in my sight line right now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be absolutely huge downtown, and it's going to be a gem downtown here in Edmonton. And they're going to try to make it like LA Live, um, and try to build things around it. Uh, there, there is. There is that thought that boy, oh boy, what? How, how do you sustain the, fran- the San Jose franchise? And the one thing that they always used to do, the one thing they always talked about in San Jose was, and, and Doug made a point of talking about this all the time, is that you can never be out of it. You've got to always be in the hunt. You've always got to be in the mix because there is that 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 stretch of your entertainment, sports entertainment dollar there. Yep. Because there's so many other good teams and so many other things you want to go see in the Bay Area. It's not like in Edmonton. <laughs> there's, one, there's one team that come watch Edmonton, yep. and it's the Edmonton Oilers. Yep. And they haven't made the playoffs now for the last nine years, and they're not going to make an attempt yet. It's going to be tough next year. Mm. Maybe in 2016, when they get to the new building, they might have a chance to make the make the team, make the playoffs. But they got a long way to go. But guess what? Still selling out. Yep. Yep. That's the one place you can go. Not in San Jose. There's a, or the Bay Area. There's a lot of other things to do. So yeah, that's going to be a concern for Austin. It's going to be a concern for John Tatora and, and Doug Wilson. That. They need to find another way to continue to pay the bills. I guess there was some hope that maybe the market would mature and, and they wouldn't have to, you know, yeah. and Doug's mentioned stars. You need stars. And it's one of the reasons why he, ex- he extended Thornton and Marlowe with the no trade clauses like he did last year was you needed to make sure you had people, you know, that, that TV viewers recognized all the time. 
but that's not a mature audience, right? I mean, that's not a, if you're a mature Canadian, you know, level audience in, in the NHL, you just want the team to win, right? That's all you'd want to do. You don't need yep. stars, but maybe the yep. market hasn't matured to that point yet. Maybe not. Um, and I think that's that, you know, going back to you talking about, the, you know, when you see stars and you look at, uh, you look at the Niners or you look at the Raiders or you look at anybody else who's the big teams, you know, there's, there's those stars there, yep. right? Yep. Every team you can name, you can name the stars in the, in the other major sports. Um, and I always thought that was a, a smart philosophy, philosophy from Doug mm. because stars do make your team. But if you're in the Winnipeg, if you're in the Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Jets who have just made the playoffs now for the first time since they were in Atlanta. They don't have a lot of stars. Yeah. I mean, you know, Andrew Ladd, Dustin Buffum, people might know. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jacob Truba, you know, Andre Pavlik. Uh, those aren't stars. No. Those are guys that are just going out and winning hockey games. But they win hockey games in the back of the building. Yeah. Um, so it, to, to bring, you know, when you look at what, what Doug did, and I, I still look at the signing of Joe and Patty as... It, it, no moves are the no moves, and that's what guys are getting nowadays. And I still think Joe and Patty are tremendous hockey players, and Joe continues to show it. Patty had another off year, and that doesn't happen very often. You hope that he he gets his head straight, and I think he pouted a little bit early in the season because mm. all that happened, and and then you know just kind of didn't get his feet moving, and he just kind of got off to a slow start, and never was able to get any traction out of the funk. Um, I've always thought that in the Bay Area, you've got about twenty five thousand rabid hockey fans, yep. like fans of hockey that know the game and understand the game, love the game. And 17,500 of them come to the game every every time there's the, the Sharks playing. Yep. You know, I always thought they had that faithful crowd. They knew the game and got the game. But in order to grow the game and continue to grow the game, the Sharks did some wonderful things like Sharks Ice in Oakland and Sharks Ice in San yep. Jose and building the ice centers and junior Sharks and developing those things and, and tried to build and have continued to build that fan base from the grassroots. Those are the right things to do. But you still don't have that mass audience like say the Niners would or or the A's would or the or the Giants would. But also what helps that mass audience? Winning championships. Yep. How, how long ago were we talking about the Giants and boy oh boy <laughs> no and and not getting a lot of fans out or anything like that. But <laughs> Yeah, they've done all right. Um, they've done all right. <laughs> so they, yeah. they um you know with when the Giants when the Giants won the championship that brings even more people. And everybody says, well, they're bandwagon jumpers. That's what you want mm-hmm. in a franchise. You yep. want bandwagon jumpers. Yep. Yep. Well, Drew, I could talk to you forever. Uh, I've taken more than enough time, but I- I'm just going to say it another time because I truly believe this. I, I-, I think you were a huge part of helping to make the Sharks more popular every day. I think your voice on television, your voice on the radio, your voice reaching out to the community was something that they did not measure. They did not calculate what it meant. And, and losing you uh, is something that, uh, and with them not playing well, obviously. Maybe maybe the not playing well was a slightly bigger deal than losing you, but you, you were right up there. Is yes, so. <laughs> uh, something that they're not going to understand, fully calculate what that loss was. I just think it was symptomatic of... of you know, whoever made the decision there, I don't think it was Doug, but it was it was, it was above Doug. Uh, somebody didn't quite get uh, where this yeah. franchise is is you know in in the marketplace. And Drew, I'm going to say we, we miss you here. Uh, I love talking to you, and I love having you on. And uh, I want to have you on again uh, if we can, because this is a great conversation. It, that, it was great, it, Jim. Always great, great talking. You know, and as you know, I loved. San Jose. I love the Sharks. I love the fans there. They treated me so well. And it was always great talking to you and, 
and the guys up in the press box, uh, maybe not Ray Ratto that much. But <laughs> well, who does? Is. Who does? Uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, I'll always be a Sharks fan, and thanks, man. I appreciate it. And you've got my number. Anytime you want to call, you want to talk hockey and the playoffs, I'll be watching every game, as you know. Sounds great, Drew. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, hey, hey, congratulations on getting through another season, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you real <laughs> soon, hopefully. <laughs> All right, Drew. Thank hey, you. Talk Thanks a lot. Soon. See you. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. That was Drew Remenda. Uh, I'm just going to be shameless to say this guy is a, a great broadcaster, um, a, a tremendous part of what the Sharks were for, for many years. He said 20 years. I don't understand what they were thinking uh, when they dismissed him. And all we can say is he adds value to any broadcast. He adds value to my broadcast. Paul Balka, my producer, I thank you very much. And uh, you can add anything to that all you want. You're going to have to have him on another show because yeah. you, you didn't ask him what his favorite food was. Oh, my goodness. God, I can't believe I did that. Uh, we are getting Drew Remenda on again and soon to get him what his favorite restaurant is. I can't believe I blockheadedly did, did that. I just was having too, I was too absorbed in the conversation. Uh, I will not make up a, a restaurant for him, but uh, I will say that Paul and I are going to Teskey's restaurant for lunch today. We'll add, we'll throw that in there just for now. Teskey's lunch for the Teskey's restaurant in San Jose for lunch. We'll have been there already. Don't come stalk us because this is a taped interview, but uh, we'll be there. There's my restaurant recommendation for today. Okay, everybody, that's episode one for today. We'll have another one later. Thank you very much.